bless you, Lord God. Bless you, Lord God. I want to read again Hebrews 12, verse 14. It says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one can see the Lord. No one can see the Lord. His desire for us, see, his ultimate desire for us is that we will see him. That we will see him. That we will know him. See, this is why the Lord Jesus Christ came to the earth. During the times of the Old Testament, he was a God that was afar off. They didn't know, he, they had no personal relationship with him as far as being able to. Um, he was a holy and awesome and fearful God, and they could not approach him individually. But John 1, uh, first chapter of John, Gospel of John says, and the word became flesh. And it also explains the fact that another name for Jesus Christ was the word. John in his epistle says, and we have seen him, we have handled him, the word of life. God became, through Jesus Christ, became touchable. Became touchable. I don't, th I don't think we have any concept of him not being touchable, because he's always been touchable to us. But to the Jewish nation, this was a whole new, fancy word, paradigm. A whole new circumstance. He was no longer, and it was hard for them to grasp that fact, that because it had been so ingrained to him that God wasn't approachable. He was to be feared. He was, you, you can't get near him. Uh, he's, a lot of times he's an angry God and waiting to judge us for our sins. But this new, new atmosphere of Jesus Christ where he's not come to judge our sins but to forgive our sins. Not to give us what we deserve. Never ask God to give, us what you, give, give you what you deserve. I deserve this, Lord. No, no, no. Bad, bad use of terms. If you ever said that, say, forgive me, Lord. I really didn't mean that. But the Lord Jesus came to show himself to be a man, very much human, but very much divine, a God-man. And his whole purpose was to come to earth to show the goodness and the greatness of God 
to come and die on the cross, shed his blood for our forgiveness. Hebrews tells us his blood was better blood than all the bulls and goats, which were foreshadowings of what he was going to do on the cross. That he had better blood because his blood, once he cleanses us from sin, we are cleansed. There is no longer any remembrance on God's part of our sins. We might remember, but he chooses not to. Which is always amazing to me. The fact that the God who's omniscient means he knows everything, chooses to forgive and forget our sins. I'm, I'm sorry. I've known that all my life, and it's still hard for me to wrap my head around that. Lord, there's still got to be some sort of record someplace. I said, no. I, when I wipe it out, it is, all the record is wiped out with it. When I become your Lord and Savior, all that you, when you ask for forgiveness for your sins, all that you had ever done is wiped out. And no longer recorded. No longer held against you. That is so awesome. And that's why he came. To die on the cross, be in the grave three days, three nights, and to resurrect. There's the important part. He became alive again. That's, that completed everything. It was his resurrection. Because if he had died and just stayed dead, it had been like any other prophet or man of God up until that point. But he rose again. That proved that he was, in fact, God in the flesh. Hallelujah. He was the son of God. Blessed be his holy name. Proverbs 16, 7 says this. When a, ways man, a man's ways please the Lord, I love this, <clears throat> he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. He said, remember he said, pursue peace? You know how peace, have peace in your life? Have your ways please the Lord. Have what you do, have what, how you approach things, how, attitudes that you have, please the Lord, and he'll give you peace. And not only will he give you peace in yourself, he'll give you peace with your enemies. Now that's an extra bonus as far as I'm concerned. It's great to have peace with God. But he said, I'll make even your enemies be at peace with you. God's told his disciples, my peace I give unto you. Not the peace of the world. Remember, the peace of the world is circumstantial. It depends on what's going on around you, whether you, you know, have, your, have your own natural peace. He says, my peace is not like that. The peace I, peace I give you, oh, God. No matter, you can be in the midst of a storm and still have my peace. Remember when the Lord Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat 
and the disciples who were fishermen, they knew when they were in trouble in the storm. He's like, Jesus, wake up. Carest thou not that we perish? And he got up and just said, peace, be still. See, they had forgotten that when he got in the boat with them, he says, we're going to the other side. That settled the fact that they were going to the other side. He neglected to tell them that they were going to have an equivalent of a hurricane in the middle of the, of the trip. But they were still going to the other side. That was his word. A lot of us have words of the Lord upon our life, and we are facing things that seem to be everything against what the word said. And we can get all wrought up in our own selves, or we can remember and say, well, he said. So I'm at peace. I don't know. This is momentary, but his word is eternal. And he said it, and I'm going to hold on to what he said, even if I have to go through this storm, because I know I'm going through the storm. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever gone through a few storms? I'm always glad because I, I know that Jesus is in my boat. I'm being simplistic here. But creation cannot overcome the creator. As long as the creator is in me, creation can't do anything about me. To destroy me. Well, Galatians 5.22 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. So peace is not just a state of mind or state of situation, state of circumstances. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-controlled, against us there is no law. There is no law that can prohibit God's fruits of the Spirit from being active in your life. The only one that can prohibit that is you. Well, let's go on. 1 Thessalonians 5.15 See that you render uh, that no one renders evil for evil to anyone but always pursue same word as in Hebrews 12.14 run after as if it, your life depended upon it pursue what is good both for yourself and for all We're always big on, Lord, bless me. How about, Lord, bless those around me? Well, Ephesians 
chapter 6, starting at verse 10. Finally, brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Brother Clark talked about it. It's not our might. It's his might. Too many times we try to do things in our might, our strength. Our strength is limited. Sometimes our strength is non-existent. Well, but his, his strength is the word, and power is the word dunamis, which means miraculous working power. Unlimited as far as greatness, and unlimited as far nothing can hinder it. It's also the miraculous working power. Whether it be healing or deliverance from situations or whatever the case may be, whatever we might need a miracle for, that's the one we want. The dunamis. And he says, that's available to you. Blessed be his name. Verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against or withstand the wiles of the, the devil, all his schemes, all his things that he wants to try to uh, trip you up with or try to, to uh, deceive you about. All those things, because, see, what, he, what you can't realize or don't realize, or maybe you do, but... Because you are a son or a daughter of the, uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're his enemy. Because you have the name of the Lord called upon your life, you're his enemy. He wants and so much of an enemy because he knows because of the power and authority you have in you because of the name of Jesus Christ, you're his sworn enemy. You have power and authority over him and all that he's doing, and he wants to try to attack you and every little thing that he can. Well, anything that he can divert your attention to other things. I, lo uh, I love that thing about the caterpillar. Charlotte did this morning because we talked a little bit about it on on uh, Wednesday night with the word uh, transformed which is in Greek is metamorpho which is the word that we get metamorphosis from and the caterpillar turning into the butterfly is so see I'm a firm believer that God just and the Holy Spirit don't just doesn't just use random words. Doesn't use random words. And in, in that he was giving us a great illustration and a great uh, key to what he desires to do in our life. She described it perfectly. She said that first it starts off as a little squirmy, wormy, ugly thing. And many times as they grow up in the 
caterpillars become fuzzy and kind of cute and, you know, let them crawl around on your hand. When necessary, the worm, I don't think so. And then, maybe, maybe you picked up on this, and they said they attached themselves and formed a J. Immediately they thought, Jesus. He's the transformer. And then they spin this cocoon around themselves. She's so illustrated so perfectly. She didn't realize she was setting up a message. Holy Spirit did. She didn't. And the cocoon becomes dried and shriveled. Dead. Couldn't be anything alive in that. In our processing, there are times when we look dead and shriveled, even feel that and say, God, is there anything still alive within me? One of the, and then the time comes. Went longer than they thought. Our timing can be longer than we thought. I know I'm repeating some of her things, but I have a purpose in this. One of the things that's interesting, too, is that in this metamorphosis, the caterpillars ate foliage and leaves and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But once they changed to a butterfly, their appetite changes. They don't even eat the same thing they did when they were a caterpillar. Our appetites change. Leaves aren't attractive to us. The things of the world are no longer attractive. They go after nectar from flowers. They want to suck from the Holy Spirit, if I can excuse the term, but, but let me back up. When they're coming out of the cocoon, it looks, they come out and they look all wet and, you know, they start out like a, looking like a bigger caterpillar in the fact that they're all in a cylindrical shape. And then they begin to dry out. And their wings slowly begin to get the picture that this takes a lot of time. We get in a hurry, and God's not in a hurry because he knows what he's making us. We're still trying to figure it out. And when they get the wings all stretched out and they form the wings and they get dry, they are, have little silk threads that go back to the cocoon on the ends of each wing. And they're attached to the cocoon. So they start flapping their wings. They flap their wings and flap them until they develop the muscles strong enough to be able to fly. Because when they can break the tethers 
they can fly. Not until then. Sometimes we want to exercise our wings and we're wondering why we're inhibited some. We're not quite ready to fly yet. Can you hear anything this morning? Because God wants us to mount up with wings as eagles. Because I've heard of people watching this process and saw that tethering there and felt sorry for the butterfly and broke the, the silver thread, the silken threads. The butterfly never was able to fly. Its muscles were never developed enough. It's a long process. Just don't be a providence or don't stick your nose in in God's providence, his workings, where you don't belong. The creator knows what he's creating. Let him create it. Yes, the process is taking much longer than we hoped or thought or even wanted in any way. But his creation is perfect. Let's continue on here, folks. Put on the whole armor of God and stand against the wiles, the cunning arts, the deceit, the craft and trickery of the devil. We are not fighting against flesh and blood uh, enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of, un of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against the evil spirits in heavenly places. Too often we think that when somebody at work has got a, my southern expression, wild hair up their nose, and they're just, you know, you've got people that just seem to be at odds with you. And our natural thing is to, well, be odds at them. Well, what God is doing is saying, okay, the real problem is not them, it's the spirit behind them. Don't pray against them. Pray against the spirit that's driving them. Now say, Lord, what's driving this? What's, what's, their, what's the spirit behind this? And come against that. Because it's not flesh and blood. It's not the person you're fighting against. It's the spirit of darkness that's working through them against you. So that's how, that's how the enemy works. He brings and sets up people against you who try to discourage you and tries to get you to react and not react naturally as opposed to spiritually. Our weapons are mightier than the spirits that are coming against us through other people. Attack the source. Come against the, the spirit that's behind it. And who knows? When you're, you know, what, your ways please the Lord, 
we may make even that enemy be at peace. That's what the Word of God says. <clears throat> Are you willing to let an enemy be at peace with you and you make them your friend? That doesn't seem natural. You're right. It's not natural. Anything but natural. But that's the peace of God. Well, blessed be his name. Let's continue. In 2 Corinthians 10.4 says this, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. When you come against the spirit that's behind that person, you're pulling down a stronghold. You have to recognize it's not the flesh and blood. It's not their problem. or not their re reaction to you. It's the spirit behind that person. Come against the real enemy. Amen? Jude 1.24 says this. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling or keep you from falling, King James says, uh, authorized King James says. I love this verse. It has uh, three promises in it. Keep you from stumbling and present you faultless, without blemish, uh, free from imperfections, it refers especially to character. That's what, see, what God's interested foremost is work cleaning you up on the inside. Because when he knows that he has cleaned you and purified you on the inside, the outside will take care of itself. You'll start reflecting what is in you. We always reflect what's in us. Amen or oh me. Sometimes what we reflect is not so pleasant because God's still working on us. Well, blessed be his name. Keep you from stumbling. Present you faultless before his presence in his glory with exceeding joy. Father, this is one that has laid hold of me. And I present them with exceeding joy. Because they're blameless. Because they sought after me. Blessed Jesus. Before the presence of his glory. Because they're faultless. He does it with exceeding joy. In Romans 10 verse 9, I just want to remind us of some things. That if you confess, if you concede with your mouth, if you confess the Lord Jesus Christ with your mouth, 
if you confess the fact that he is he is God that he came to earth to be our savior to die on the cross to cleanse us and give us forgiveness of sin and rose the third day to confess these things and believe them in our hearts because it's not enough just to say, well, yeah, I believe Jesus was a, a character in history. Well, the devils believe that, and they tremble at it. It's not enough to, to say, yeah, I believe he, he came to earth and he was here. But the real confession is the fact that he was God in the flesh. He was not like any other man. And he came explicitly to be the once and for all sacrifice for sin. And that his blood is better blood than bulls and goats and all that went on in the Old Testament. Because his blood is only has to be shed once. Not year after year. It's better blood, Hebrews tells us. Because the reason it's better is because it cleanses from sin. It doesn't just cover it. It removes it. That's part of the confession, too. Lord, I believe I, you are my Savior and that I confess that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Please cleanse me of my sins. And he says, if we ask him, he's faithful and just to do just that. See, what, what we have, uh, don't realize is that he's been waiting for us to do that. He's wanted us to do that. From the first time we went, Wah! well, See, he died for us before we, we were us. Before we knew anything about him. We make confession with our mouth. If we confess with our mouth uh, the Lord Jesus, believe, have confidence in in our hearts that God has raised him from among the dead he will save us he will forgive us of our sins for with the heart one, one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation the safety the deliverance from the most molestation of our enemies who's, who's our number one enemy Satan his salvation delivers us from all that he could try to do. Because what he really wants to do is make us turn our back on him, on Jesus. But his word says that if you lay hold of him, if you continue to walk with him, that's not going to happen. Because the blood of Jesus Christ is more powerful 
in the attack of the enemy. Verse 11 says, For the scripture says that whosoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Verse 13, Therefore you must wear the whole armor of God, that you may be able to resist, uh, resist evil in, the day, in its day of power. And even when you have fought to stand still, you may be able to still stand your ground. See, one of the, well, we're going to get into the armor of God a little bit, but I don't have time to do it all today. But well, let's continue just reading here. Stand therefore and hold your ground. Here, hold your ground. Having tightened the belt of truth, the belt of truth, the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ, the truth of who he is and what he has done. See, he's using the example of a man of old-time, even Roman-era uh, panoply of, of, of armor. The belt was what tied everything together, and it gave strength because it was around the loins so they could give strength to them. Okay? And they had the breastplate. Blessed breastplate of righteousness. It was a defensive piece of ar uh, armor. It was to protect them from what was coming against them. His righteousness within us protects us from the attacks of the, er uh, of the enemy. Because the one thing Satan hates is God's righteousness. And then you had the helmet of salvation. It protects the mind, the head, the thinking. See, the helmet of salvation. It, again, none of this is just words tossed up in the air. The first protection we have is a helmet of salvation to know that we are God's child. Because Satan will... We have to realize and know that there was a point in time when we asked the Lord Jesus to forgive us of our sins. Because the enemy will try to, to persuade you otherwise. Oh, you were so young, or you didn't know, you know, he just mouthed the words. You didn't have you know, any way he can try to sow doubts into your life, he will. That's why we need the helmet of salvation, knowing for a certainty, not just an experience, but a reality of forgiveness of sins that we can't be talked out of. Okay? And then we have the sword of the Spirit. <clears throat> the only defensive weapon we have. All the rest of it is an offensive weapon we have. All the rest is defensive. Protection. But we have the sword of the Spirit 
to go after the things of the enemy. But you notice that we're to stand. The battle is won. Oh, by the way, the breastplate of righteousness does not have a back to it. We're not to run. We're to stand. The Lord has already won the battle. We just stand in his victory. He's already won. Just stand. When everything else comes against you, just stand. What I wanted to look at tonight, begin to look at uh, today is out of verse 16. It says, Besides all these, take the great shield of faith, and when you're able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, uh, Weymouth is correct and say it's a great shield of faith. We've all seen, you know, movies. I'm sure Anthony can tell us a movie particularly <laughs> where they have a sh just a target, a small shield on their forearm and just protects them like this. That's not the kind of shield it's talking about. It's a full body. I figured you would. <laughs> a full body shield normally carried by an armor bearer in front of you. It was so big that was his, it covered the whole body. I'm glad God's shield for us is a big one. Able to quench not some of the fiery darts but all of the fiery darts. Quench all of them. And we'll as the Lord allows, we'll get into that in um, later uh, messages. But today he just wanted me to hone in on this. He said, seek, seek the Lord for who he is, not only when we have a need. Let me say that again. We need to seek the Lord for who he is, not just when we want something from him. Sister Charlotte was talking about that, you know, seeking him, running after him, spending time with him. Not just when we want an answer for something, but just because of who he is. Word of God tells us, if you seek for me, if you look for me, I will be found of you. Exercise the shield of faith. And we could exercise our faith by praying, saying and doing. Speak the word of God to your situation. When you're things come against you, what's your first response? Is it prayer? Say, Lord, what is this, what's going on here? Or is it 
how can I counteract this? Am I, you know, how can I think of a way out of this? You know, take it to prayer. Ask the Lord to give you the wisdom and the understanding, the discernment of what is behind the attack. Is there something within me that provoked the attack? Some, something I'm holding on to, something that he's trying to, in some cases, rip out of us because we like to hold on to it so long. It becomes so part of us, it's our default sit, setting. And he's saying, no, here's something that needs to change. We need to pray about it. We need to speak, not just in your head, but verbally against whatever it is. Satan is not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. He tries to put run thoughts through our mind, but he doesn't know what we're thinking. So when we... I just rebuked him in my mind. You understand what I'm saying? Speak the word of God. Whatever's coming against you, pray, ask the Lord to give you a verse or a a portion of scripture that comes against what that situation is, and then stand on it. Say, Lord, your word said. See, the Lord Jesus loves us to invoke the word of God, and Satan hates us to. Because his word is unchangeable. Amen? Oh, Jesus, help us. Then do something. Act against what... I'm not talking about in the soulish, but in the spirit. Act against. Do something against what that is what's coming against you. Too often, we accept what God never, in, does, uh, never purposed for us to accept. Well, speak the word of God to the situation. You have today what you said in the past, and tomorrow you will have what you are saying today. Let me say it again. What you have today is what you have confessed in earlier times, whether it be positive or negative. Life and death are in the power of the what? Thought? No, the tongue. People may have sowed seeds in your life, well, you'll never amount to anything. Well, that can't, do, that can't hurt you at all unless you agree with it. 
know? Once you start believing what the enemy has sowed in your life, then you're in trouble. We either accept the God of this world's thoughts or we accept the God of the universe, of all creation. Whose report are you going to believe? Well, anybody understand what I'm saying today? Helping anybody? We have the power of life and death in our, in our tongue. Whether to speak life to someone else or to ourselves or death. And what we profess will in fact by professing it we're getting in agreement with it. And the Lord wants us to resist the enemy and he will what? Flee from you. We resist him by speaking the word of God against whatever he's saying. Of course, that presupposes that you know what the word of God says in the reference of that. That's why they have your phones. You can look it up. Or the Bible. I was thinking the younger generation. I started to say Strong's Concordance, but they wouldn't have had any idea what that was. Eddie. That's one thing the smartphones are good for. You can look up scriptures. Blessed be his name. Whatever you've spoken in the past is what you have today. And what you speak tomorrow, or today is what you'll have tomorrow. Again, there's power in your speaking. We need to confess the word of God. If you need joy, Psalm 16, verse 11 says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hands are pleasure, hand is our pleasures evermore. That's another good reason to get in his presence because there's fullness of joy. Psalm 511 says, let all those who rejoice, uh, but let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever sh shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. Your joy can be your defense. That's what the Word of God says. Well, if you're all down in the mouth about something, say, Lord, I know this. You promised me joy. I'm not joyful. I've got this situation and that situation. But that's not, that's something I'm in. That's not who I am. We have to separate the two. The circumstances you're in isn't who you are. It's something you're going 
through. Through. God has greater purposes than the circumstance that you're in right now. Because he's changing you from glory to glory in the image of his dear son. If you're looking for an increase in peace, Isaiah 26, verse 3, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed. Are you starting to see a pattern here? Whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. It's one thing to have God's in your mind, but it's another thing to actually trust him. See, with, to me, let me ask you this. How many do not like to let somebody else drive the car? Why is that so? I won't ask. I'll just tell you. It's a matter of control. We like to be in control. We don't trust the other person to drive as well as we do. Any other illustrations? We have to trust God to be in control. He's the one taking us to his designation, not ours. My perfect example of that, and you've heard me so many times, is that Glidell said, you fooled me. I married an architect, and you became a pastor. Well, at the time, I was going to be an architect. I did not know that 14 years later, I was going to be a pastor. I was working toward being an architect. Of course, Uncle Sam had interjection right there, too. Graduated on Sunday, was in the Army on Wednesday. Oops. But we trusted him. Even in the Army, when we ate a lot of macaroni and cheese, at the, at the PX we could get that for, was it, nine cents? Sixteen cents a box. We ate a lot of macaroni and cheese. <laughs> Maybe that's why I don't really care for it anymore. <laughs> Kraft macaroni and cheese. Little blue box and, you know, anyway. But in, I can tell you story after story how God worked for us. But one of the things we did is that every month we made three hundred and fifty dollars a month. So 
gross, gross before taxes. And 150 that was our rent for the apartment, which he gave us a wonderful apartment. That's another whole story, too. But anyway, every month we sent $3,500 tithe back to Grace. I sent $35, didn't I? Oh. <laughs> now that would have been a good salary. But $35 back to Grace as tithe. And we never wanted for anything. Why? Because we trusted in him. If you need contentment and satisfaction, as for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I will be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. What are you, what is your, what are you striving for, for in, in satisfaction? What is, that, what is your goal that will ca cause you to have satisfaction? Is it his face? Receiving strength. For those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up like wings with, like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. See the pattern is all of us, is, if you wait upon me, if you look to me, all these things, all the things that we are looking for are in him if we look to him for them. Being protected. Our confession that, that when we need protection, do, do we can, you know, look for our nine millimeter or do we look for, to him? Well, for in the time of trouble you shall hide me in your pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set, my, set me on high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies around, around me. Therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in this tabernacle. Yes, and I was saying, yes, I will praise the Lord. When in a time of trouble, I will praise him. I will go to that secret place where he hides me. Blessed be his name. Psalm 91.1 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust. When you are in the midst of a time when you need protection, flee to your fortress. Well, Lord, you're my fortress. I've got things coming against me, but you promised that you would be my fortress. You promised that you would uh, be my refuge, my hiding place. Lord, I come and hide in you. If you're having uh, problems, as some of us, some older people do, I'm not old yet, so don't. I didn't like that laugh on that one. <laughs> Confess that we have the mind of Christ. 
It says, 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, The Lord has not given us the spirit of fear, or timidity, of fearfulness, cowardice, but of power, of the ability to perform miracles, and of love and a sound mind. A disciplined mind, but it comes from that which means a being in one's right mind. Every time I have a senior moment, I say, Lord, you promised me a disciplined, a right mind. This is not my portion. Do not, because people say, well, you're old, you'll forget things. That's a lie of the devil. Do not accept it. Confess that I have a disciplined, well put together mind. My memory is not failing, it's increasing. Whatever else may come against you. Sound mind. A disciplined mind. A right mind. God, you promised me to keep, keep my mind right. Right with you and right as mental capacity. Confess that. Don't go around confessing and I can't remember anything anymore. You're agreeing with the devil. You want to agree with the devil? and slap him in the face and said, I have the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ doesn't forget things. The mind of Christ doesn't wander around all over the place. And the mind of Christ is single-focused, single-focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. My middle capacity shall not diminish because Christ is not diminished. I will stand upon him. Second and first Corinthians two sixteen says we have to put on the mind of Christ. It's not something that's automatic. We have to put it on. There's something something powerful with confessing the word of God and stand and then trusting it. It's not a matter of just saying the word of God, but trusting what it says. In faith, believing what his word says. Lord, this applies to me. This is your promise to me. Personalize it. Lord, you promised that Chuck Sexton will have a disciplined, well-ordered mind. And I'm going to keep your hold you to your word. I trust in you. We can trust in him. That's part of our shield of faith. That's part of the fiery darts that thrown at us. That you're fearful. You'll never amount to anything. All of these, see, Satan's chief Weapons are innuendos or suggestions. 
He has no power over you unless you believe his suggestion. Well, anybody understand what I'm talking about today? Rebuke the devil and he'll flee from you. Rebuke that, that thought. Rebuke that, uh, that, that uh, suggestion and stand on the word of God. Confess the word of God. And be more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Let's stand, please. Allow him to change us from glory to glory, even in the very image of his dear son. His dear son is not fearful. His dear son is not, not cowardly. His dear son is not forgetful. Well, are you hearing me? Jesus Christ is, none of, is nothing negative. And he says... You're to be like me. You're being conformed to my image. Father, we just pray that, Lord, you just seal this word to our hearts. Let us take courage, my God. Let us uh, watch our, our confession, my God. Let it be that which is always uh, confessing your word and your purpose. When things come against us, my God, let us pray and seek your face and, and find, my God, what you say about the situation and then act on it. Speak it, my God, and then act on it. So, Lord, we thank you. We bless you, my God. For your thoughts for us, my God, are thoughts to uh, prosper us. And, my God, to bring us, my God, to your expected end. Oh, Holy One, we thank you that you're expected and is greater than we ever will conceive. Greater in every measure. And we thank you, my God, for this precious people, for your word, my God. And we bless them in the mighty and holy name of Jesus. And we bless them for your kingdom's sake and for your uh, name's sake. Amen and amen. Lord bless you.